Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Psalm 71, verses 15 through 18 says this. It says, My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone, O God. From my youth, you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. And again, this is what we're doing. This is why we're sharing these stories, so that we can proclaim the power of God. So we can proclaim the might of God in our lives. So we can see how God works through others, through God can even work through us. So today I am pumped because over the last several weeks, you've seen Daryl up here interviewing people. And today we're going to flip it around a little bit and I'm going to interview Daryl and his lovely wife, Kelly. So let's just give a warm life change welcome to Daryl and Kelly Beckett. Awesome. Is anybody Office fans? This is totally, totally inappropriate, but we've got any Office fans? No, none of them? Okay, so it's not going to be funny. There's a, there's a part of the Office where uh, it's a, an exit interview, and uh, Michael Scott was interviewing Toby, and he goes, he just says, who do you think you are? And then what gives you the right? And I was really going to start off this conversation that way, but I thought it... My answer would be you. <laughs> you gave me the right to sit here. <laughs> but anyway, so Daryl and Kelly, we are pumped for you guys. We're excited to hear your story. So let's actually just jump right in it. So who do you think you are? Uh, <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, Daryl. We'll start with I'm you. the ministry director at Life Change Church, uh, and you gave me that title. So, um, no, so... Um, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Um, still uh, love love Buffalo. Love New York. Diehard Bills fan. Whatever. Um, Sabers. Uh, my parents bought the house that I grew up in when I was five. Um, lived in that house till I got moved away and went to college and got married. Um, mom and dad together until um, my mom passed in 07. Um, three sisters, two older, one younger, and. Uh, they still to this day say I'm the golden child of the family. Um, and I guess when you're the only boy, that kind of ha- happens. Um, when I was young, I did not, we didn't go to church too much. Um, went to one for a little bit that I barely remember, but my early childhood, um, no church. And then when I was 10, um, Started going to a church and never never stopped. My family is still connected to a church that that a lot of those long, long, long time family friends, kids I was friends with from the time I was ten, I'm still friends with today, and uh, so got saved in that church and you know all all the things you do uh, you know when you grow up in church and so. So Kelly, let's uh, share a little bit about your background and your upbringing a little bit as well. So I grew up here in Newark. We moved here from the Washington, D.C. area when I was about eight. Um, And my mom was from here, so we moved here when I was eight. And Daryl and I still live in the house that I grew up in. (laughs) So I've been here my whole life. Um, I was raised Catholic, um, large Catholic family. Um, Large because that's what Catholic families do. And we... um, we went to church uh, regularly for a while, and then we became those priester people. 
right? Christmas and Easter was really important, and so we went then. Um, and I grew up in a house my father was severely mentally ill, so there were a lot of conspiracy theories and that kind of stuff, but it led him to be abusive to my mom. So I was a child witness of abuse for um, my whole life. We, I remember my dad being hospitalized. He was hospitalized when I was very young, um, starting at about five. And so he had been hospitalized a number of times, usually ended up getting hospitalized out of the abuse that would happen with my mom. So um, we, did a, we did a lot of that. He passed in 09. Um, having given his life to Christ and asking for forgiveness for all those things that he had done four days before he passed. So um, I kind of, I stand on that because I've seen him in my dreams. So I think that he's, he'll truly be with the Lord. But I, uh, it was difficult. It was, a, it was a great growing up because it was stable and I didn't know anything different. But at the same time, there were some difficulties that we didn't even realize were abnormal. So you grow up in Buffalo and grow up in the metropolis of Newark, Ohio. So, so a little bit different, right? And but you guys, and I know we had talked in, the, in our interview, you guys have been married 10 years. So obviously you guys are, I mean, you're 29 years old. So you guys got married right out of high school and then not really, though. <laughs> obviously, a little bit, a little bit different. So you guys have a little bit of a, a story and a little bit of a background before you met each other as well. So maybe share something beyond childhood or a childhood into adult life before you guys met. And there, we'll uh, go ahead. You can jump in yeah so um you know i grew up in the church you know from 10 on but it was about 10 on that my life um you know really changed uh pretty normal childhood um young childhood anyway a lot of a lot of outdoor you know fishing uh bike riding or whatever just whatever stuff kids do pretty normal um my dad was a school teacher uh, for 30 years but he always worked in the summer for the state park system in new york and whatever park he was stationed at we would go camp at like all summer long man it was pretty cool as a kid and i thought i ran the show because my dad was the park ranger um, and uh so but my life kind of took a pretty pretty big turn um because i didn't grow and uh you know around 11 12 is when boys start to grow and i just did not and uh and so i mean to the point that when I was a freshman in high school, I was 4'11 and 85 pounds. And so my parents were like, yeah, there's probably something not right. And so, um, but because of that, I went through a lot of, a lot of abuse. You know, when you're the little guy always and uh, your friends grow and you don't, um, you, you literally just become the butt of the joke, of every joke. And so a lot of abuse, um, a lot of abuse, a lot of fighting. Um, when you're my size, you have a big mouth, fast feet, and learn how to take a punch. Um, and so a lot of fights, um, got suspended every year from sixth grade to 11th grade, um, for fighting and, um, just angry man. And, um, and, uh, and, and junior high, um, sexually abused by two friends. Um, and I, it caused some big questions for me cause I let it, like I let it happen because at that time in my life, I had so few friends and I was so unsure of who I am um or who i was that i was afraid if i didn't let it happen i would lose the friends that i had um and really obviously they weren't you know friends at all and um and so that traumatized me for a long time i never told anybody that story um until kelly and i were probably married for five years before i ever shared that that and she's the first person i ever told i'm also physically abused as as again bigger bigger kid um 
just did some things that were terrible, man. And so super angry. Had a lot of friends at church. Was president actually of my youth group. Um, pretty well-liked guy. Um, no success with girls, though, because I had zero confidence, right? I mean, like, none. And I even was, like, at the point where I thought my church friends only liked me because we were at church. Like, you have to love people because you're at church. And so I even questioned that. And so um, really insecure. The funny thing is, there's guys I've been friends with since I was 10 that I'm still friends with. One of them married my sister. And uh, and so, uh, like, life, life, lifelong friends. And it wasn't that way at all, but that's just what I thought. So um, about the time I was a junior in high school, I knew that I was God was calling me into ministry. Like, I knew that. Talked to my youth pastor. Um, I was passionate about my relationship with God, even though I was unsure of who I was. And so um, when I graduated high school, Went to Central Bible College, which is an Assembly of God college out in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, I uh, invented the every other year plan um, that was not in the enrollment logs. And uh, so I, I literally would go a year, take a year off or take a semester off and whatever. And so um, back and forth between my parents' house and school. And then I met my kid's mom. And uh, so we started dating. And uh, I decided long distance dating was like not cool. And uh, so I came home from for Christmas break, and like the Holy Spirit said, stay home. Yeah, no, it was just Daryl missing his girl. And and so uh, young people, don't mistake your emotions for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so so stayed home. Um, then we got married um, in 98, and then I moved to Texas, and I finished my education at Southwestern, also in the Southern God School, just south of Dallas. And uh, my sister and her then boyfriend, now husband, were there um, as well. And so, but we started having kids. We had Kayla. Um, she was three. Then um, we were expecting Lexi. And uh, I'd still not gotten into full-time ministry yet for a variety of reasons. Um, but we started having our kids, man. And, and we knew that my sister and her husband were going to be moving away. And we wanted to be near family. So we started looking for church openings. Um, in New York and in Ohio, um, because all my family's still in Buffalo, and and my kids' mom's family is all here. That's how I ended up in Newark. And um, so, um, her dad pastored a church that you know just out of respect for them. I'm not I'm not going to name. And um, and so um, we were like, okay, let's let's move to to Newark and uh, join with mom and dad. And so we did that, and um, the church still didn't really grow. Um, I didn't really grow, I don't think, as a minister. And, um, but then I went through a really, really unexpected, uh, really devastating divorce um, that just really rocked my world. I'm in this, like, Newark, Ohio. And uh, I grew up in the city, and this was all a big challenge for me. And now I'm totally alone, man. And so uh, it was definitely a crossroads for, at my life. So, Kelly, share a little bit about... We'll, we'll talk about how your guys' stories kind of collided, but maybe share a little bit about what was happening before you met Daryl as well. So when we were interviewing, I told Corbin I was doing all the things, all the things. Um, from the time I was 18, I left, I graduated from Newark High School, and so I left home to go work at Cedar Point for the summer, which was pretty much just a party. It's just a giant party that you go to. Um, and I came back with a baby. Um, so I got, I was waiting, I was actually home by then, I was waiting to go to college, I had been accepted, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, 
and um, I got pregnant. So um, some of you have met Keenan, and he is, he'll be 27, oh my gosh, next week, <laughs> 27. And um, so that was my, my little guy who changed some things right then. Then I um, met my first husband. Um, I actually, when I was 21, I went to the bar for my official first 21-year-old drink with my parents. You know, when you go and it's like ceremonial. And our waitress was my first husband's mom. And I had known him a long time, like since I was 15 in high school, but I hadn't seen him a long time. The next day, he walked up my driveway, and that was it. I was enamored, and we were in love. And so we started dating, and when... Um, and by 23, I had another baby um, with him. And we he was very, um, I, like, I'm not I'm sure I want to keep the kids. I'm not real sure I want to keep you. And he actually said that to me. I should have seen that as kind of a sign that maybe this wasn't a good, a healthy relationship. But <laughs> we were young, you know. So I ended up marrying him, um, and he adopted Keenan, my oldest child, and you'll find later in our story that lightning sometimes does strike twice in one person's <laughs> life, but I, um, we had Julian, then um, he was unfaithful in our marriage, um, and I was devastated. If I had probably, I, since I grew up Catholic, I didn't really know salvation as a, as a thing, um, and we had, didn't really talk about that a lot in church, but had I been saved at that point, I probably would still be in that marriage, because I desperately loved him, he, and we were very much in love, and we were trying to work through, just like we couldn't figure it out. So um, he left, and I went on to get married again in um, what I call sometimes a rebound marriage, because I tell people, you know, a rebound relationship is one thing, but you should not hurt other people by having a rebound marriage. I was, I hurt my second husband badly, because Daryl and I say all the time, hurt people, hurt people, and I hurt him badly, and um, I wasn't myself. I went on then from there to when I left him and decided internet dating was a great idea. <laughs> also, young people, it's not a great idea, but I did a lot of that because I was trying to figure me out, couldn't figure out what I was doing, couldn't, was still hurt from... Um, my first marriage, and it was really, was really devastating time. And so I, I hurt other people during that time, including my children um, and my second husband, pretty badly. And um, bringing men in and out of your children's life also not advisable, um, in case you were wondering. And my girlfriend had gone to rehabilitation. Um, she was so on drugs, and I didn't even realize it because we've been friends for so long. I just thought that was her norm, I guess. And um, then she left and went to rehab for a year and came back. She was absolutely glowing. And she came to my house and she said, the first thing out of her mouth, Kelly, where are you spiritually? And I just absolutely fell apart. 100% fell apart. And she and I had both grown up Catholic, so we, we both knew that we believed in the Lord and we both knew that, we, uh, that I wasn't okay. And so she invited me to church. Well, I went to church and I started inviting, or I took my kid there. So here I am, because I'm still in the bars and going home with whoever. I was dropping my kid. I want to struggle with this part. 
I was dropping my son off at church in the morning so that I could go home and be with whatever boyfriend I had at home instead of taking him to church. And so he invited me. He was 15 by then. Because he said, hey, Mom, I'm going to get baptized. And there I was, not even being a part of that. He's like, I want to get baptized. I want you to come. So will you come to church on that day I get baptized? It just seems silly to me to say right now, but um, I was just not in a good place. And then I found out I was pregnant. Um, Some random guy at a bar who was one of those guys who just, like, moves in because he really didn't have any place to stay. just comes and stays, and he stays wherever. And um, so I found I was pregnant, and I was certain that I was getting abortion. Um, so I say that out loud on purpose because um, the place that you have to go to to feel like that's what you need to do is a devastating and painful place. And I was so sick about what I was doing to my kids. I was 34 years old and getting pregnant by accident like a 17-year-old. And I was all the while a professional going to school. I almost had, I was almost done with my first master's degree. I was going to work every day, looking polished, and everybody probably thought I had something together, and I definitely did not. So I went to the doctor because I got really, really sick. I went to the hospital. I was throwing up a ton. It wasn't just normal um, morning sickness, and so I was losing a bunch of weight, and I get there. Of course, they say that I want to... They want to do an ultrasound because I'm pregnant. I wasn't very pregnant, but they're like, we're going to have to do an ultrasound if you're this sick. And Daryl and I support the Heartbeats Ministry. Largely, for me, it's because of their ultrasound ministry. My mom was there with me at the hospital, and they did the ultrasound, and you can see the teeny tiny heartbeat, the tiniest heartbeat, because he was so little. He wasn't even, he wasn't even developing anything yet. He was only a heartbeat. And my mom said, make a decision you can live with. And I did. Later, I went to the church where Kenan had been going. Oddly, they were all there because they were having band camp in the field beside the church. (laughs) And the pastor was there. And I got there, and I was just beside myself, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. And he said, sounds to me like it's about time for you to give your life over to the Lord. And in that moment, um, God saved me and my baby. Cool. And then from there, you went to the church, and you Did. actually uh, got baptized at that church as well. Yep. Again, you said you got baptized as an infant, as a baby, as Catholic, yes. but then you made the decision later and uh, got baptized as an adult. And from there, that's really where you and Daryl's story kind of collide. So Daryl, <laughs> why don't you pick up from there? Again, you, here you are, right? Had a ministry position where you're at with your ex-wife's uh, father, which when she stepped out on you in that marriage divorce, that broke, kind of left you looking for something else, right? Because you probably weren't going to be on staff at that church anymore. So, and then your, life led, to, your <laughs> life led to another church. So maybe share where you were and uh, how you guys met and, and share maybe a little bit about that, that story of how you saw Kelly for the first time there. Yeah. So when you have an angry, insecure guy and then then his marriage falls apart the way mine fell apart. You just get angrier and more insecure, right? And so I was just not in a healthy place. And, and honestly, because of my upbringing, um, I questioned if I could ever be in ministry again. Like, you know, as a kid, um, growing up the way I grew up, especially at that time in, in my my faith tradition, divorce was the cardinal sin. And 
and I'm not here to belittle divorce. The divorce is, is um, destructive. Um, but I questioned, like, even my salvation. Like, could I even be saved? And, um, but I knew me. I knew, uh, you know, everybody has their own personal sin habits that you have to deal with and confront. I knew mine, and I knew I had to get back in church right away. Like, I had to find church right away, or it could be devastating for me long term. And so I had nobody. All my family in New York wanted me to move back home. Um, I lost all of my friends. All of my network were all connected to, to her family. But I had three kids, Kayla, Lexi, and Zach. Um, and, um, and I just made a choice, man. My kids needed their dad more than I needed mine. This is where you guys all get to find out where all these kids yeah, come right. from. <laughs> and so, um, uh, so three kids. Uh, Kayla works at Home Depot. She's not here right now because she was in Florida, and I told her not to come. Um, isolate yourself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Kayla, Lexi, and Zach, they were all young. Um, it was like, I don't know, Kayla was nine maybe when we got divorced. So it was like nine, nine, six, and four, three. Young. They needed their dad. And so I just made a choice that I was going to raise my kids, man. And um, it was hard. I was alone. It was tough. And um, and the cards were stacked against me in, in their family. It just was not healthy. But I stayed. And I knew I had to find church um, right away. And so I tried a couple of different churches, and I had one church in mind. And then, like, that day, Sunday morning, God was like, no, I want you to go to this church. And I kind of fought him a little bit. And I was like, I want you to go to this church. And there were some clear signs. So I'm like, all right, man. So I go to this church. I walk in there. And the very first person I saw was this really big, really obnoxious kid named Keenan. And, uh, like, I didn't know him at that time, but he's the first person I saw when I walked into the sanctuary. And that moment, God spoke to me that that kid's called into ministry. Like, I just knew, man. Like, I could just see it on him. I didn't even know him, nor did I know the part that I was going to play in his life. And uh, so whatever, man. So I just kind of settle into the church, um, talk to the pastor, start to go through this healing process. Um I'm there when Kelly gets baptized, and man, I'm going to, like, like it was unbelievable for me. I knew a little bit of their story. I knew Keenan. I think, I don't think I was serving as youth pastor quite yet. Yeah, so um, you guys heard um, the East Step story when Justin, as a teenager, walked into the church and was like, hey, there's, there was this blonde that I'd never seen before, and I was just, like, captivated. Like, that's what happened for me when Kelly got baptized. I didn't even know her, but what I know is this soaking wet, drowned redhead walked past me. Like, hair just, like, literally, I'm this close to me, walked past me. And, um, man, she just radiated with the purity of God. Like, I mean, like, beauty for ashes. Like, scripture beauty for ashes. And, um, dude, I was just, like, like I mean... I was just completely captivated, man, and uh, didn't know what to do about it. And I was super pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. so you did what anybody would do. You stalked her, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, within just a couple of months, um, the pastoral team asked me to, to serve as the youth pastor of the church. And, and there's two people that I met at life at um, at that church that changed my church my life forever. So two people. One of course is my wife, and the other is Charlie Mason. Some of you guys know him. All of you will know him next week because I get the honor of interviewing him, and so we'll kind of leave him for next week. Um, but he was one of the pastors there, and so I start serving as the youth pastor, 
And uh, so now Keenan and all his friends are, you know, in my youth group. And uh, and so Kelly calls me one day. I She's like, hey, man, we had talked a couple times, but not whatever. And so she calls me. And uh, by this time, I'm definitely interested in her, even though I'm like, no, she's pregnant. And her kid's in my group. And it's weird. And like, how, like, how do you like a pregnant? Like, weird, right? And so, uh, but she calls me. And uh, like, right away when I see my phone, I'm like, Oh, yeah. And so I answered the phone thinking, like, she's all, like, uh, you know, make, getting ready to make the moves. And she is like, hey, this is Kelly. I'm Keenan's mom. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. She was just calling to tell me that she was an expert fundraiser, which she is an amazing fundraiser, grant writer. She's like, hey, man, I have all this experience fundraising. We're raising money to send the kids to camp, you know, to summer camp. She's like, oh, I'll manage the whole fundraiser for you. And I still at that time thought it was a front um, like just to get to me, but man, like she explained these candles every way from Sunday, like every different size, every different scent. Oh, they sell for this much, but if we sell for this much and multiply it by this many kids times this many, I'm like, wah wah wah, like they're like deflated, man. And so, um, but that phone call ended up lasting like two and a half hours. Made it from my ho- from my job at Chase and Heath. Got my takeout at Chipotle and Heath. Drove to my house on Cleveland Avenue. Still on the phone. Then find out she's at Walmart on 21st. Like, so then I creep Walmart. <laughs> like, I go up to Walmart. We've been on the phone for two hours, two and a half hours by this time. And uh, she all of a sudden gets, like, the sense. Like, her spidey senses were tingling. Like, oh, man, I think you better not come to Walmart. Well, by that time, I'm already in the parking lot. And she's walking out of the Walmart. I'm like, hey, is that you wearing like a black pantsuit? And she's like, what? Like what? And so, uh, so obviously, you know, we meet up in the Walmart parking lot, hung outside the car, talking for like two hours, just, or for a half hour, leaning against the trunk. And then I'm like, you want to go get coffee? So we run down to, to River Road on 21st Street. And literally our first date started on the phone and ended at River Road. And it was like five hours long. And you stalked me a couple other times. Yeah, and then too. that same weekend I, I showed up at her job with flowers <laughs> and like that's still still to this day she calls me the stalker. And um and so um but then kind of like a cool thing, like our dating relationship was a little up and down, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but um and once it was time to get, it was kind of weird though because she's pregnant and her kids in my youth group and I'm the youth pastor and the lead pastor wasn't crazy about it, which I didn't get, but having been a lead pastor, I now get. Um, but we got engaged. Um, so our first date was the first weekend in November, um, in 2008. And then, um, once I knew like I was all in and we we're going to get married, um, it, it just so happened that the, the first weekend in November of 2010, my buddy Rick Drum was doing a worship set at River Road. And so I saw it and I was like, dude, this is too cool. And so Kelly really likes, you know, romanticism. So I'm like, this is it, man. So I call my buddy Rick. I'm like, listen, dude, I want to propose to my girl. We, our first date was the same weekend two years ago at River Road. I'd love to come, man, and just like give me the mic and, uh, and, and I'm going to pop the question. He's like, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> and some of you know Rick, and you know how he is. He gets super excited about that kind of stuff. So sure enough, man, um, first weekend in November, right in the middle of River Road, pop the question, and here we are. What'd she say? 
I'll no, think she, about it. She no, she's like, no. yes, I can't wait to marry you. <laughs> so, so cool. So during that time, up, up and down a little bit in a relationship. But yeah, God was, you were newly saved, made a decision, but God was still showing himself faithful to you throughout that. So maybe share a couple of things that he was doing for you. And I know there one was a big thing was the, was the miracle with Braylon, right? So I, um, you know, you just don't know what God's going to do. You just don't know what God's going to do. Um, I was thinking that I, I remember calling my pastor once and crying. I was just crying random middle of the mid morning one day. And I'm like, why do I have to wear my sin on my body? Like I'm now I'm saved and I have this big pregnant belly and everybody knows that I just have this baby. Why do I have to do that? I'm crying, I'm crying. Um, it was as if I'd never done that before, which I had. Um, but it just hit me differently. And then Braylon had some trouble um, he startled really easy, and he did these had these like jerking motions in his hands and his legs, and um, I'm like, something's just not quite right. And if I had been a new mom, you know, young, I might not have even noticed it. But I took him to the doctor, and they sent him for an EEG. Went to Children's to have his EEG, and they looked at me real. I was taking pictures of him because they thought he was cute with all the little nodes on his head, you know, sticking out. And then her face got real not good. And so she said, um, you're going to need to go back to the doctor. Go back to the doctor. The doctor says, um, we, we think he might be having infantile spasms. And if you don't know anything about that, infantile spasms, even if your child is starting to develop, um, can regress in their development and essentially become 100% disabled. And I'm still a single mom. Um, even though I have a partner, I'm still a single mom. And I really um, was like, God, I can't do this. Like, I'm not built for this. There are women who are amazing mothers of developmentally disabled children, and I just don't think I can do it. Like, I don't know how to do it. And um, so a bunch of women came to my house and laid hands on Braylon as I held him and laid hands on me and prayed and prayed. I swear to you, it felt like hours, like we were hours in prayer. Um, and, you know, I think things get so fast, you don't sometimes spend the time to soak soak in your prayer. And we just were there forever. And I think it was in that moment that I received the Holy Spirit into me. And I felt as if I was truly baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was just an incredible, incredible time of prayer that pe- with people I didn't really know. Because um, I had just started meeting people, you know, and, and them coming to my house and all that was just different. So I took him to the hospital and he did a 24-hour thing where I had to like push the button whenever he had these behaviors in his body. So I did it and I literally was on my knees, literally on my knees like overnight and praying and reading the word and reading the word to him and doing, he was like three months old. He had no idea what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. And um, maybe four months and he, um, the doctors came in and um, it's so funny that our doctor's office, I didn't say this last time, but our doctor's office, there's a, there's a nurse practitioner there who I didn't even know she was a believer. But when I called, I said, I need you to pray. And she goes, girl, I am on it. And so she was praying, but I didn't even know that she was like, and she still calls him the miracle baby whenever we see her, when we go into the office. But he, the doctors came in and they said, um, he said, 
you know, the person who did your EEG, the first one, is an expert in EEG. And so I know that she didn't read this wrong, and I don't know what's going on, but your baby is fine. Your baby is 100% fine. And he had brought all these doctors in with him, and I was so nervous that he was about to tell me that my baby was going to be their new experiment that they needed to follow. And he said, I brought these guys in in here so that they could see a developmentally well baby. And I thought that maybe I was going to get my consequence for all the things that I had done. And then I got a miracle instead. You can't ever take that from somebody. My faith will always rest in that. Super cool. Super cool. So miracle, newly saved, miracle, God's work, and obviously... On the forefront, you see it right there behind, in your in there, and the, obviously God was working because you got married to Daryl as well during that, and then, and then, so things are going pretty smooth, and then you guys got married, been married for ten years, so everything's gone super smooth from there, right? Like it's been perfect. No, there's been some other ups and downs even in marriage, as far as even personal things. Again, going back to pulling out some insecurities for you, Daryl, as far as anger, different things as well, and then different things that even led, but that God worked through. So share some, maybe some hardship that you guys experienced in the last ten years together. Yeah, so I mean, even getting married was tough for me because I knew the story of what happened between Kelly um, and her second husband, and I knew how remorseful Kelly was. Um, and my my divorce process took like two and a half years, and I didn't see anybody during that time. But Kelly and I did start dating only a couple of months after my divorce was final, um, and I didn't want Kelly to be the rebound. You know, we had all these kids. I have three kids. She has two kids and one on the way. Um, and I just didn't want to be that. And so um, I just, a lot of questioning of whether I could even be married in a healthy way again. And uh, so, but we, we did get married. And that, listen, man, um, we didn't talk about this the first time, but blending a, mar- blending a family is hard, man. It is hard, 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 hard work. There's a reason second and third divorce stats are as high as they are. And the illustration I like to use is, you know, strawberries, good. Ice cream, good. Milk, good. Strawberry shake, good. But to get to the strawberry shake, all that other stuff has to be broken and cut and rebuilt. Um, and that's that's our life, man. We're a blended family. And there was a lot of brokenness, a lot of a lot of time in the blender. And uh, it was tough. It was tough on our kids, all of them. Um, but, um, yeah, so it was hard, man. And, um but it's been an amazing journey. So we, I adopted Braylon when he was four. Um, my mother-in-law says, uh, I used to believe nature over nurture until the two of you knuckleheads. Um, now, like, Braylon is like little Daryl. And <laughs> he, like, I didn't know it was possible for a kid to be so much like their dad that they say shared zero genetics with. <laughs> but that is your kid. And even my, my biological kids are like, dad. Like, <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, we just had some hardships. My my personal family went through a very very difficult time in 2007. Like myself, all three of my sisters all went through really really personal stuff, and on top of it, my mom died really unexpectedly. Um, and so it was very very difficult. Um, and I I was still learning how to be. Yeah, it was right before we got married. But my dad stood on the word. Um, I watched my dad crushed as his kids suffered, but he just stood firm on the word of God, um, which was a beacon of hope for me. 
Um, and then when Kelly and I first got married, I didn't even know how to be married because I was still learning how to be divorced. And I was so angry and so stuck in my divorce um, that Kelly and I's marriage suffered a lot in the early years because I still hadn't figured out how to be divorced. So it's tough, man. So share a little too. I know. So at that point, you got got married, and then you you allude to the fact you were a lead pastor at one point as well. So that happened pretty quickly in your marriage as well. Yeah. So during our marriage counseling, um, which Charlie did our marriage counseling. Um, again, you'll hear more of that uh, next week. Um, but she was like, "Hey, man, are you ready to be a pastor's wife? Like, do you even know what that means? It's a it's I a lot of responsibility." <laughs> <laughs> or she might have said no. <laughs> um, it's a lot to be a pastor's wife. And so um, she was like, I just want a year. Can I just have a year of just having my husband? And so we were serving in a local church just in a volunteer capacity, but in you know decent level of leadership. And um, she was like, I just want a year. And even, even our pastor of that church was like, Kelly, are you sure you know what you're doing? And, um, and so... Uh, the really just cool hand of God. So during our counseling, she's like, I just want a year of my husband. So we got engaged in November, got married in January um, of, so November of 2010, married January 2011, so just a couple months later. And it was January of 2012 that I spoke in the church that I became the lead pastor for the first time. So it was literally a year. <laughs> and so it's just like the faithfulness of God. And so by April of that year, they asked us to come on board, um, you know, to serve as the lead pastor. Um, and, and during that time, we adopted a kid um, or tried to adopt a kid, very high profile, very media driven um, adoption. Um, and out of 10,000 families, our family was picked. And uh, we really thought this huge blessing was long term, you know, whatever. And it just it, it imploded. It was a disaster. And uh, we ended up having to send him back, and it devastated us. Like, you return clothes, you don't return people. And, um, but it was the same. It wasn't a fit. We had very young children in our house at that time, um, and he was a threat to our young children if, if I was not home. And uh, so I remember our second oldest, our second oldest, Julian, you know, was like, look, man, if, if you're not here, it's, it's bad. And I'm going to have to take measures. And then we knew, like, okay, we have to send this guy back. So that was tough. Um, yeah, that was tough, man. And then um, just still dealing with anger. And, and, you know, I didn't talk about this first service, but I shared with you. Um, my parents would – my kids would come over from their mom's house and talk all about the exciting stuff that they did um, with their mom and stepdad. And it just would make me angry because they only had a few kids. We had a tribe of kids. And we couldn't afford to go do all that stuff. And so it would just make me mad. And I still remember this day, my oldest daughter, we're on the patio. And um, she's like, oh, dad, we did a lot. And I instantly got angry. And I watched the color drain out of my daughter's face. Like, she's just trying to share joy with her dad. And I was just ticked because I couldn't do those things because we had all these other kids to take care of. But I watched it crush my daughter. And in that moment, I really felt God challenge me. Um, I was not in a place where I was being an active dad to my kids. I was just in a competition with stepdad. It was just about beating stepdad, just beating stepdad. Um, and that day I had to realize I had to, the whole reason I stayed in Ohio was to be a dad, and I wasn't even being one. I was just competing with some other guy. And, um, and so that day I just chose to be a dad and to be a really good stepdad. 
or the best I could. But that's not easy, man. And so, so yeah, I don't know. It was kind of crazy. So God's doing some different things. I know there's one story too that we'll, I want you to share just a little bit um, about how God just does some restoration in, in your life. And one was a, a table story as well. So maybe share, and Kelly, you can jump in as well if you want. But maybe just story some things as far as how you've seen me. Obviously struggles, but how God's done some amazing restoration as well. Well, even restoration in ministry. Like when we left, when we left our lead pastorate, we bounced around. I told people we were church nomads. Um, and we really were. We just bounced for about eight months. And then our oldest son, who is a staff pastor in Cincinnati, and I'm just killing it. I'm so proud of him, um, Keenan. And uh, so again, again, like again, the hand of God. Like the day I saw him, I knew he was called into ministry. Now he's my stepson. He served as my youth pastor. He's serving as a pastor in Cincinnati. Um, it just cool. So we came here because it was before DJ was on team yet, and you knew he was coming, but you needed a couple leads. So somehow Keenan ended up serving as a guest worship pastor, um, and uh, we came because of that. And then, like, we were still looking for a church, and he moved to Cincinnati, and DJ came, and I don't know, let's, like, go back and try this church a couple times. But honestly, we had heard that life change didn't preach about sin or your need to repent of sin. And so we're like, all right, going to that church. That's the whole point of the gospel. And, uh, and so, but we got here and sure enough, man, Corbin very first Sunday was like, Hey, can somebody stay and help me rip out the wall in the back room? And by the way, repent of your sin. And so, so like, whatever. So we stayed in, um, and I, this is important. This is a really important part of our journey for restoration. I don't do what I do just because it's a job, and I do, don't do it at Life Change just because, like, Corb gave me a gig. I do it because of Corbin and Sarah, um, and we honor them as our pastors. Like, we, we, Life Change Church changed our lives, and when we say love people to Life Change, it's not just Corbin's mantra. It's not just what I say because I'm paid to say it. Um, it's because I believe it. I believe it. Corbin and Sarah's ministry model is the healthiest ministry model I've ever served under, including when I was a lead pastor. Um, and so we're at Life Change Church because of Corbin and Sarah. And it's important to me that I honor him in front of you um, as, as the lead pastor of this church. And so we were restored there. Um, but then as, as a family, the restoration that we encountered, you know, Kelly shared a lot of brokenness, a lot of single bombing, a lot of doing it herself, and then we get married, then we're in the blender. Um, but when I had first gotten divorced, um, you know from my Facebook and my Instagram, food's important to me. Um, I love to cook. I love to feed people. Um, I'm sitting at my table completely alone in my house that I was married to my first wife in. My kids are at her house, and I'm just kicking the can, man. I'm down in the dumps. And I'm just my staying in the tier table with my tears and um, alone, eating alone. And um, and I really clearly heard the Holy Spirit say to me, "Pick up your head, because one day your table will be full." And I I just challenged God on that. Like, are you kidding me? Like, look at my table; it's empty. And if my first wife didn't want me, who would ever want me? And I just like. Eh. And this this peace came over me. Like the Holy Spirit just kept talking to me. This peace came over me. I'm like, okay, cool, man. So fast forward, we're now married. We have all these kids. We don't have a table big enough to put them all at because they don't make tables that big. Um, and so 
we would just eat wherever. You know, we'd like eat in shifts. Oh, we only have two plates because that's all we can afford. So two people at a time at the table. <laughs> and so then wash your plates so the next one can eat. And um, yeah, it wasn't quite that bad. But it was like that. Like everybody would say wherever. And so, uh, so I went to work, normal day. I go, just a normal day, man. And I come home from work. And when I walked in the door, there's this amazing new table. So my mother-in-law lives in part of the house. My mother-in-law got this table, man. And she just put it together in our kitchen. Um, and the ta- it was just like 1960 CV. The table was set. The kids were clean at the table, which that in itself was a miracle. <laughs> Everybody's in line, all seated. The food is on the table. Kelly's at one end, and the chair at the other end was open. And my mother-in-law looked at me and said, you sit at the head of the table as the leader of this family. And as soon as I sat down in the chair, the Holy Spirit brought back that moment where I was alone at my table. And it was such a reminder of the faithfulness of God and that what he's faithful to bring about what he speaks in your life. And so now we have six kids, a daughter-in-law, and two grandbabies. The table just keeps growing. And so just an awesome, awesome moment of the faithfulness of God. We had to build another table this year. We did build another table. <laughs> My mom and I. <laughs> awesome. So good. Such just an incredible story. Just God's faithfulness. And uh, so just as we start to wrap things, uh, maybe share one thing that you really want people to walk away from with, with, with what your story is. Um, I feel like, um, you know, we tell people all the time that, you know, there are people who want to talk to us about marriage because they see us healthy and happy and they're like, oh, can we just sit down with you sometime? Or, you know, we've had, do you guys mentor people or are you the, you know, or whatever. Um, and it's true. We do have a really good, healthy marriage. We do. Um, and thank you, Lord, because I didn't have that before. But we tell people all the time, God hates divorce. That did not change. Um, it's, it's in the word. And there are consequences to having gone through the things that God hates. And our children have suffered some of those consequences. Um, they've seen things that they shouldn't see, the things you want to protect your kids from, the things you want to be better at. Um, but God doesn't make He doesn't make you live in it for the rest of your life. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. He does all of the things to, to bring it about for his glory. And so we tell our story to people on purpose, and we tell it in a very real way because you need to know that God can still do all the things. He including can, fix your marriage. Including, including fix, fix your, your marriage, marriage. Including help your kids. Including bring you around to um, considering um, life instead of abortion. Including um, just just so making you new. He, he gets to do all that. And all you have to do is say yes. So I really feel like for us, it's important that people know that things can get really, really, really bad, and then he can make them all very, very, very good. So Corbin asked us for a scripture um, to, and I struggled with it. Like I'm like, all of them? <laughs> the whole, let's just read the Bible. The whole word of <laughs> the God? The whole Bible. 
Um, one time I tried to do the genealogy on poster boards of Genesis. Daryl laughed at me the whole time <laughs> because I'm that nerd. I'm like the Bible nerd. I'm like, let's just put the whole word out there because that's what it is. But I really struggled and I kept praying and I kept praying. Um, and so when the Lord brought me to Job, not funny, not funny, I guess, <laughs> because of all the things that we both felt were like taken and given away from us, um, I, I shouldn't have been surprised that he brought me there. So this is Job 19, 25, and 26, and um, it says, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he'll take his stand on the earth, and even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. And I feel like Daryl and I were both so much in our flesh in so many points in our life, and still could just see God. Like just, And, and all you have to do is knock one of Daryl's favorites is in Revelation. Just open the door. I stand at the door and knock. He's there. And so I, I really feel like that is something we can give away for him. Cool. No, I know we talked too, and again, it's a, it's a story of restoration. And Daryl, you kind of, when we were talking, it, it was good stuff, so I want to share it, but you talked about how there's really two stories. There's stories of restoration, and there's stories of preservation. And you talked about how preservation, obviously, it takes more discipline. And we've heard stories of preservation, taking, talking about going through the, the pains of everyday life and dealing with it and allowing God to work through it. And then you talked about restoration, which is really your story, which, again, involves more pain. But you said specifically that both only come from the power of God, and which is, again, where you're saying you got to rely on the power of God. Yeah, we, and I always encourage people, as a minister, like, choose preservation, man. The pain of discipline is way less than the pain of being rebuilt to like choose preservation even the bible tells us like hey life and death are before you blessings and cursing before you man choose life choose blessing um don't look at us as the poster child for like oh healthy remarriage man like but like just don't um because god wants marriage all six of our kids keenan julian kayla lexi zach braylon have suffered man and um but they've also been restored so so quickly, we'll go into what we want to want to pray for you. Um, so just tell us wh- how can we pray for you guys, but also say what's kind of next for you guys as well. Obviously, the story just doesn't just because you tell your story at Life Change Church doesn't mean your story's done, right? right. There's still more to come. So tell us how we can pray for you. The what's the next part of your story? And- so as a result of um, our failed adoption, I felt that God called me to counseling and um, sent me to seminary to do it. Um, so I really. Um, felt like dealing with trauma and anxiety was, um, I, I, I remember crying to Daryl so many times, like, please let me go back to school. He's like, we don't need any more debt. <laughs> but I'm like, God wouldn't tell me this if I wasn't supposed to. And God actually ended up providing half of my tuition. So I went back and, um, and started, and so I started my um, counseling and consulting in private practice. Two, it, it'll be two years in October. Um, left my job a year ago, my day job, and um, I really feel like all of these things have brought me to exactly what God has for me in my life. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, using my life to help other people, Um, and I love it. So every day it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like God's putting people in my path so that I can just do what I do. Yeah, and so we absolutely believe that, that, that God uses your past for your present 
to set up your future. And we've just seen it over and over and over. And um, he was super faithful with Kelly's tuition. Um, when it was time for her to open her own firm, I'm like, <coughs> but he's been super faithful. Um, and then I was working a job where I was straight sales commission. Um, and I never thought I would do that. But we saw God faithful in tuition, faithful in sales commission, faithful in self-employed. Um, and <clears throat> started this year, I knew I was probably going to be leaving the company I was working for. There was just some things that weren't a fit anymore. Um, thought I had something pretty good lined up. And uh, then COVID hit and they went on a hiring freeze. That's the best thing that could have happened because during that time, um, I just began to seek God. Like you thought I should do that first, right? Um, and so I just started praying. Kelly, I started praying. And I really felt the Lord challenge me. You know, I'm 48. Um, there's still hopefully a bunch of miles in front, but probably a little less than in the rear view. And he just started challenging me about call versus career, call versus career. Um, and so I got with Corb. Um, I love what I do for Life Change Church. Bridget and K Caleb um, are on my team. They both make me look really good. <laughs> um, but I love serving them. I love helping leaders grow. Um, and I love life change. I love Corbin Sarah. I'm who I am today because of walking in these doors four years ago. And I didn't want to leave. And so we chatted. Corb gave me a blessing to look for full-time ministry um, in, in ministry jobs outside of the church. And so I was like, cool, man. And so I found this organization called International Friendships, Inc., and their whole focus is on international students that are studying for their undergraduate um, through postgraduate here in the United States. Um, and so I just started having conversations with them, and one thing led to another, and um, they offered me a position with their national team, um, which means I'll be doing pretty much the same thing for IFI that I do for Life Change, which is pouring into the campus pastors, making sure the campus pastors are resourced and supported to be successful but a part of the journey was, hey, this is a missions position, so you have to raise 100% of your own support. And I'm like, you know, like, no way. And we talked about it several times. And you're like, dude, if you can walk into somebody's house and sell them a window treatment with no relationship with them, you can probably talk to other Christians who share a commonality of spreading the hope of Jesus, like, and do all right. And so, but I say that again, God was faithful intuition he was faithful in straight commission he was faithful so whether you call it any of those things it just called faithfulness and so the thing that you guys can pray for me the most about is that i raise full support because i cannot get to my position until i raise a hundred percent of my um budget and so that's yeah that's the biggest need right now Oh, cool. And it's awesome, too. So just so you hear that clearly, Daryl stays here, right? So last, I know last week we talked about Seth. He's moving to Utah. Daryl's still here. He's part of Life Change, so it's an awesome thing. And he gets to, to do ministry in a different capacity and really impact others for Jesus. So let's uh, let's pray for pray for that. Continue to pray for your counseling as well. So but let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you right now for, for Daryl and Kelly. We just thank you for their story. God, we thank you that it's a story of restoration, but more importantly, it's a story of who you are, God, and you are a restoring God, and we just thank you, God, that their story will give hope to others who, who may find themselves with a, with a broken marriage, who may find themselves in a place where there, there's different insecurities coming up, God, or, or sin issues, whatever it is, God, we know that, God, you are restoring God, and it's not just because of it's not just because of their, their story, but it's because of the word of God and it's the truth, and the Bible says so as well, and God, we can trust 
that. And God, we thank you for that. God, right now we pray. We pray for Daryl and Kelly. We pray for Daryl as he as he raises his funds, God, for for his ministry, God, as, as for this position, God, we ask that you will just go before him, God. We pray that you put everything in place, God, that there will be donators, God, that there will be funds given to him, God, that will be multiplied so that, that he can go and spread the gospel. God, we thank you right now that you are blessing Kelly with her counseling, God. We pray that you continue to do so. God, we pray that you continue to, to help her. Again, what they're doing is changing lives, God, and it's so just incredible of how you're working through them, God, and we just thank you for their for for their faithfulness, which in turn you get approved your faithfulness through. God, we love you and we thank you and we give them to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's give a round of applause for the Becketts. Just an, an amazing story. I love the Becketts. I love their story. And it's just incredible to hear how, how God works and how Really, it is just inviting God in to your story. So as we close today, that's what we want to give you. We want to give you opportunity to invite God into your story, right? Just to open the door. And maybe for you, maybe you're at a place where you need to be restored. Maybe you're at a place where you need to be preserved and need God's help in that action of discipline. So wherever you are, we want to allow God just to, to work through you. So if you're watching online and maybe for you, maybe you're, the next one is to make a decision to invite God into your story. We want to know. Send us a message. If you're here in person, what you can do is you can grab the uh, connection card from the seat back in front of you and you'll see on there the first box is I want to make a commitment to, to follow Jesus. And what that is, that's inviting God into your story. Now that's you, check mark that box. Maybe for you, God's asking you to do something. Maybe he's, he's pushing you to something that really maybe you related to with, with Kelly and Daryl. Listen, we want to know as well. We want to, we want to challenge you. Write that down so that we can be partnering with you. And then there's also a place for a prayer request where we want to be partnering with you in prayer. So what you can do is you can fill that out and then you can drop that in this, uh, the little black box there on your way out along with any ties or offerings. And we'll be praying over those throughout the week. But if you would, let's, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that, that you are behind the scenes and you are on the forefront of each and every one of our stories, God. And we just ask that you will go before us this week. God, let us trust in you. God, we have no clue what this week includes. Or we have no clue of, of what could happen. It seems like every single day is something changes each and every day with the season that we're in. But God, you know it already. And God, we can trust you. And that's what we ask. We ask that you go before us, God, and let us trust you in each and every step. We love you, and we thank you, and in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church podcast. If you were here today and you were listening, and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening, and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ let us know what God is asking of you and if you need prayer we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well we hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you have a great week